Welcome to Digital Master, where teaching how to make money will travel the world. Speaking of traveling, we're actually traveling around South America currently. We're actually in uh, country number 11 in South America. There's 13 total countries. We're currently in La Paz. Uh, it's the highest altitude capital city in the world, and uh, we only have two more countries to go before we finish all of South America. Uh, Chile and Uruguay will be heading to uh, Chile in a and then uh, Uruguay will be the last country in South America. Uh, on our show, we love interviewing fellow digital nomads, especially other Canadian nomads. I'm usually from Canuck. He's actually not in Canada, and neither am I. Our guest Hawaii, and he's been traveling around the world, and he does it primarily through real investing, and that's a great way to uh, be a digital nomad and earn uh, income uh, passively while you travel. So we're going to be learning a lot of tips and advice and strategies on real estate investing for my guest today, Mike Wolf. Uh, so Mike, uh, how are you doing today, my friend? I am doing great. Thanks for uh, having me. I'm doing really good. I'm in Hawaii, and uh, it'd be pretty hard to complain, so... You can definitely never complain about Hawaii, one of the most beautiful areas of the world. So, Mike, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to do a quick introduction and share a little bit more about yourself? Uh, well, basically, uh, let's see, where do we start? I've been uh, investing in real estate for around 28 years. And uh, back in the olden days, I used to do a lot of the work myself. I used to go find the properties and, and deal with tenants and do all the work. And, you know, I did, I did what uh, my parents told me to do, which is go work hard and uh, it'll pay off in the end. Well, I did work hard, I became a workaholic, and it ended up uh, not working out that well for me. And as time went on, I kind of got to a point where I was starting to burn out. And then I realized, uh, you know, I started to take some of the stuff off my plate and start to hire people and put systems in place, and realized as I started to do that, that you know, working smart makes a lot more sense than working hard. And so I got really, really good over time at delegating, and uh, not having to uh, uh, do the work myself, give it up to other people, put systems in place, let them uh, do it, and I can step back and enjoy myself. And I went from working 15-hour days to usually my, the hardest part of my day is really uh, answering emails, doing a podcast every now and then, and uh, making a few phone calls. So I switched things around quite a bit. So, Mike, uh, so we're going to do a deeper dive into both, uh, both your passions, real estate and support travel. So let's start off with the real estate. Uh, tell us about uh, how you started in real estate. You've been doing it for, uh, you know, you know, couple decades now. Your real estate. Yeah, well, you know, I got into real estate uh, kind of by mistake. It was a really good mistake. I was actually uh, going to university, living my parents' dream, and that was they wanted me to be a lawyer. So I was at uh, University of Calgary getting my degree. I uh, got my first degree, and, and with that came a lot of uh, student uh, loans and a lot of debt, and decided I wanted to pay these loans off before I continued and got my second degree. So um, got a job at the phone company, because uh, uh, my friend, uh, was, his mother was a manager there, and uh, while I was at the phone company, managed to get my credit score pretty good and, and started to have some income coming in. Bought my very first home, and when I did that, I also had a, uh, my mortgage broker say, well, you know what, if you want, I can get you another mortgage. And at first I thought, well, why would I want another mortgage? And then I started to think, well, if it makes sense to have the one property be an owner instead of a renter, it might make sense to have a second property and have somebody else paying down my mortgage for me. So I uh, bought a second home, uh, had some tenants in there, didn't really know what I was doing, but uh, um, 
around two and a half years after I bought the properties, the market took off in Calgary. Both my properties were worth considerably more than what I paid for them. And uh, that was kind of the start of my real estate career because I thought, you know, I looked at what I made on those properties in the two years that I held them and looked at how much I made at the phone company in those two, two and a half years. And uh, it was quite a bit more from the homes. And I didn't even know what I was doing. The homes didn't take up a whole lot of my time. And uh, uh, the phone company did. I was working 40 hour weeks and uh, uh, just decided, you know what, this corporate world's not for me. Uh, being a lawyer is not for me, which I already kind of knew anyway. And uh, that was the start of my 28, now 28 years in real estate investing. So that uh, was a very good mistake to make. Awesome. And, uh, you, you know, you've been doing this for 28 years. And not only are you doing it for yourself, but you've been taught, uh, you know, literally hundreds of people around the world. I actually first uh, came across Karen McGregor, and you spoke at her event in Vancouver, BC, uh, Canada. Definitely inspiring to hear you and your passion for real estate. So, uh, uh, speaking of teaching real estate, if uh, people who are uh, watching this investing in a huge uh, area and you know sometimes difficult, you know where to start. So, what would you, uh, what tips would you give to someone who's brand new to the real estate game, someone who's a brand new uh, rookie actor? Yeah, well, the bit, the biggest thing when you're first starting out is to figure out what resources you have. Number one, and then number two, what is it you're trying to achieve? And most people. You know, they see these shows on TV like flipping Vegas and flipping this and flipping that. And one of the reasons why I used to work 15-hour days back in the olden days is I used to do a lot of flips. And it's kind of funny. I had a conversation with a friend of mine that I used to uh, – we used to do a lot of joint ventures together back in the day in Calgary. And he said to me, hey, Mike, remember all those homes that we sold that we made, you know, 25, 30, 35,000 on and we thought we'd figure out how to win the lottery. We thought we had the jackpot. Don't you wish we still had those? Those properties are now worth, you know, a lot of them are 600, 700, 800,000 more than what we sold them for, not all that many years later. And so, um, so, so figure out what it is you want real estate to do for you, first of all. So if you're trying to create freedom for yourself, then don't start creating like a full-time job for yourself. It seems really glamorous on TV, uh, but it's not. Uh, the other thing I'd recommend, as I mentioned, is figure out what your resources are. So if you have cash, Find somebody who's got the education. Uh, team up with somebody who knows how to do what you're trying to do. If you don't have cash, but you have access to great deals or whatever, well then find somebody who's got cash. But it's very hard to do a real for most people to do a real estate deal from start to finish on their uh, on their own. So make sure you have the right resources in place, uh, meaning you leverage other people's skills and money if necessary, and whatever it takes to get there. Uh, but also make sure your uh, third thing is make sure you're educated. So have a good mentor, have somebody who's paved the path before you, or better yet, you know, uh, most people want the results of real estate, but they don't want to do the work. Once they find out how much is involved, they don't actually want to do it. So um, one of the things that I do, I have a company that creates turnkey investment properties. We go buy the properties, we fix them, we put the tenants in place. I had picked the property management team. The same people are looking after my properties can look after your properties. And you don't have to be a real estate expert to do it. It's already done for you and already managed. And so if your goal for real estate is to go create a lifestyle freedom, like what we're doing, tra the traveling and having fun, then buy something that's going to help create that lifestyle for you. And that's exactly what my company, what my company does. 
So it's almost starting out, what we say is the bare minimum in terms of a dollar amount that someone would need to get into real estate investing. You know, you could probably do a zero M just to, uh, you know, with someone else's money, but uh, tell us about, uh, if you want to do own, what kind of dollar figure we're looking at. Yeah, well, to, to be honest, I did, I, when I did my very first real estate deals, I had very little money. As a matter of fact, luckily I had a very creative uh, mortgage broker and uh, he basically helped me get, I got a line of credit uh, put it in my bank for 90 days because the bank wanted to see the money in the bank for 90 days So I had to make the payments on it, but uh, that's how I bought my first property. So Literally, you don't necessarily need a lot of money. Ideally, uh, it certainly helps um, To give you an idea my turnkey property started around 90,000 US and for those of you know For people that live in different parts of the, the world if you're a Canadian living in Vancouver You're thinking this $90,000 property is a shed $90,000 will get you a really nice single-family home in a place like Atlanta where we're currently working. For $150,000, you get a palace. For $200,000, you can live like a king in, in a place like Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so um, you want to buy, you know, you don't need a ton of money. You don't need the amount of money it takes to get something in Los Angeles or Vancouver or Calgary or Toronto uh, these days. You need a lot less than most people think. And even if you don't have your own money, if you have good credit, there's different ways to, to get that. Uh, or find other people and collaborate with them, do joint ventures. And that's one way when I was kind of just starting out, uh, I managed to do more deals. I managed to leverage and, and instead of doing one deal at a time, I was able to do two, three, four at a time. And it helped speed up the process a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually from Vancouver and it's a crazy real estate market. And most people can afford that. It definitely uh, it takes a lot of uh, down payment and uh, creative financing to actually uh, get property in Vancouver. So where would you say are the, the best places to invest right now? You mentioned a, a couple of cities in the U.S., uh, but where would you say in terms of both uh, Canada, U.S., and uh, the global market, where would you invest in? Yeah, pretty much the only market I'm, I'm investing in currently uh, on a regular basis is Atlanta. Um, I love to do one thing really, really well. I could go build, I could easily go build three or four or five teams in different cities all over the place. Uh, but when you do that, you end up having mediocre teams because you only have so much bandwidth to, you know, to, to set up, to manage the teams, have the right people in place to manage it. And for somebody like myself who wants to, uh, I'm very big on my lifestyle. I love to travel. I do a lot of um, volunteering, a lot of give back stuff. Uh, I also like to spend time with my daughter or my grandson. And for me to go and have five teams, I guarantee you I would not have this lifestyle. I'd be putting out fires. So I'd rather have one really good team with really good management that looks after the team so I'm not micromanaging them and do it extremely well, know the market inside out and get the best deals. And because we're doing the volume all in one place, we get the best deals and we can now pass that on uh, to our investors. Uh, and, and same with not just the homes, but when we buy carpet, we buy thousands of yards of carpet and thousands of gallons of paint. Whereas if I was dividing that up by five markets, now we're getting mediocre deals and I, have, I can give my clients mediocre deals. So it's really about uh, getting good at one thing and just, I, I call it rinse and repeat, do the same thing over and over and over again. And uh, so Atlanta, Georgia uh, currently is my favorite market. I've worked in lots of markets all over North America in the past, but usually one, maybe at the most two at a time. But right now Atlanta is, is it's hot. It's hot Atlanta, as they say. <laughs> Love it, hot Atlanta. So you mentioned at times uh, so far that you need power team, uh, so you don't uh, have to do it. So tell us about some of those uh, key team players. What are their roles and responsibilities? Well, to give you an idea, my, my power team in Atlanta right now, I've got somebody on my team. His only job 
is to go and schmooze bankers. That's where we get most of our properties. We buy in box from the bulk from the banks. And we're, you know, we literally buy sometimes 20, 30, 40 properties at one time from these banks. So he's got to keep those. It's all about relationships. So he's got those relationships. That's his job. Uh, once he buys the properties, we've got inspectors on our team and they go and they look at all the properties. They come up with a punch list of all the things that need to be fixed on the homes. They then pass that off to our uh, rehab crew. They go and fix all the, you know, everything on that list from top to bottom. Uh, we make the homes look uh, literally better than new in a lot of cases because the, the quality of the, uh, the workmanship that the builders put in when they built it um, is sometimes a little shoddy to say the least. So we're actually fixing it really, really nice because of the type of program that we have. They're not typical rental properties. We're actually doing lease options. We're giving the tenants an option to buy the homes as we want to make the homes not look like rental properties. So we have people on our, our team. They make the homes look new or better. Uh, then they hand it off to our property management team. The property management team goes and finds quality tenants, and then they look after it. And from the perspective of our, of our investors, the end buyers, they just all they see is a paycheck in their bank at the end of the month because they don't deal with any of those moving parts. So building a team is um, it can be very difficult and costly, and it doesn't make sense to go build a team if you're just going to buy one or two properties in a market because you're going to spend more on the expense of flying wherever you're doing it back and forth than you're probably going to make for the first couple of years. So that's why uh, you know what we do is, is such a great uh, service. It's built to help uh, people from all over the planet to invest safely in the U.S market and uh, but once again not create a job for people because like I said I used to I used to make great money but I was working 15 hour days I didn't have time to enjoy it and uh, I, you know there are days where I'd leave the home and, and it would be dark and I wouldn't and I'd get home and it'd be dark and I miss a whole day with my daughter I wouldn't see her when she's growing up a lot of days and I I used to think that well if we go for a vacation for a week or two it would make up for it but it's not the same and, I, and I'm very excited to see you with your daughter there and, and so now I've got a second chance. I got my grandson. He's uh, 20 months old, and uh, he's already traveled with me. He's been to Hawaii. He was here a couple of weeks ago with me. He's been to Mexico. He's been to Cal. He's been. He's my excuse to go to like Disneyland and Universal Studios. So all the places I want to go, I'm using him as an excuse. But we're creating a lot of memories, and we're going to continue to. And uh, and I'm making up for all the time that I used to spend. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say wasting my time. I, I, I worked very very hard and just. Kind of doing what people told me to do. You're supposed to work hard. That's what I thought was uh, uh, my role. But now I've learned that that's not uh, doesn't have to be the case. You can work smart, use leverage, let other people's teams do the work for you, and go enjoy yourself and create create let your investments create a lifestyle for you. Yeah, and uh, you know the thing is, man, I think a lot of us are guilty of that, being the provider and working like crazy just to provide for a family. But the very family we're providing for, we neglect the time. And, you know, I've definitely learned that lesson that uh, our kids definitely need the time provision, not just money provision. And, uh, you know, we're talking, we're talking about investing, and then the, the biggest investment we can make is in the life of our kids and in the life of our family. Uh, Way so more true. So true. And it's so hard to get that balance. And, uh, you know, now, now I've, I've, I figured it out. It took quite a while to figure it out, but now I've got it. But a lot of us, we get stuck in one, one realm. Quite often for men, it is our, our businesses and it's our work. And then we forget about our health. We forget about our families. All this other stuff goes to the wayside. And then later on in life, you realize you can't get that back. It's too late. And so uh, anyway, so I'm giving my daughter and grandson much different advice than I was given, put it that way. And uh, I don't think, I think it's good to have good work ethic. But I don't think it's good to trade your time for money and certainly put in the number of hours that most people 
do, especially entrepreneurs, the amount of time that they put into their businesses to get things off the ground, is, it's, uh, it, it, it takes its toll in other departments in your life for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious to know, Mike, about uh, your transition. Uh, so you, you were doing real estate for a while and you're still doing it, but how did you transi uh, transition from uh, location dependence to location independence and now traveling? Tell us a little bit about the thought process behind uh, leaving and, uh, you know, making travel part of your full-time gig. Yeah, well, you know, I wish it was, um, you know, I, I could say it was intentional. I was this really smart guy and I, I just came up with this in my head. Once again, a lot of things have happened in my life kind of, kind of by mistake. So a friend of mine moved from Calgary to Las Vegas, very good friend of mine, and I'd go visit him. And I thought, man, I got a free place to stay in Vegas. This is great. So I'd go visit him once a month or once every two months. And unlike most people uh, who go to Vegas, my addiction isn't gambling or drinking or any of that stuff. My, my addiction is I got to go look at homes wherever I go. So I'd go visit him, and then I'd see an open house. I'd go look at the open house. And, you know, every time I'd go visit him, I saw the prices kept going up and up and up. And so uh, I, I, want, I, I just remember thinking, man, I got to get in on this. This market is like, is, is going up like crazy, a lot faster than Calgary was at that time. And I thought, man, I got to start, you know, I got to start buying some homes here. And so I started to do that, started to, uh, back in those days, I was flipping. So I was uh, buying the homes, fixing them up, reselling them, kind of one, one at a time, not, not in the scale I do today. And that was before the recession kicked in. So back then, all my friends thought it was in Canada thought it was nuts because Vegas used to be more expensive than than Calgary once upon a time. It's not anymore, and the Canadian dollar was really weak, which it is again. But uh, but I started to buy. I started to when the recession kicked in, I, I, and all of a sudden people stopped buying the homes I wanted to flip. Well, then I started to buy them to hold because the prices went way 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 down, and so I started to buy them to hold. But I couldn't be in two places at once. I had properties in Calgary and I had properties in Vegas. And so I reluctantly, that's when I started to hire teams. I reluctantly hired a property manager because I couldn't be in Vegas at the end of the month in Calgary. I had to pick one or the other. And what I started to realize is, well, first I micromanaged him to death. I needed to know every little thing that went on with the property because I was, I think like most entrepreneurs, a control freak. I needed to know everything that was going on. And, you know, I remember there was one week where he, he called me twice for the same problem. He called me twice because there was a broken fridge in two different properties. And not once could I, did I ever say, oh, well, you know what? The tenant doesn't need a fridge. It was always the same answer. So, uh, you know, I realized this is silly. Why, you know, why am I making him call me with the same issue over and over and over again? Why don't I just let him have a little bit of freedom to make some decisions for himself? And so I started to do that. And I realized that I started to get a lot more of my time back. Because at first I was doing the work myself. And then I was micromanaging. So I was babysitting and still doing some of the work myself. And I just put systems in place saying, hey, if, a, if an appliance breaks, well, see what it costs to fix it. If it's more a certain amount, replace it. And then I started to add more and more systems. And I realized I got more and more of my time back. And so I uh, never realized how easy it could be. But the toughest part was up here. It's all in your mind. It's this mindset thing that, one, most entrepreneurs think nobody can do what they do as well as they can. And then when you finally get forced to let somebody else into the, into the business, then it's like, okay, well, I obviously need help. But... I'm going to have to micromanage him so he doesn't rip me off. So you have to know every little thing that's going on. And then you realize when you have the right people, they know what they're doing better than you do. I, can, I don't need to teach them how to do property management. That's what he does for a living. And he only gets paid if he collects rent. If he doesn't get rent at the end of the month, he doesn't get his 10% of it. And so I started to realize that he's got an incentive to do a good job anyway. And he was a lot happier working for me once I stopped micromanaging him. And he started to be more productive. And I also realized that he was collecting more money at the end of the month 
on the Vegas properties than I was on the Calgary properties, even though I thought I was the best there could be. And so I started to realize that the more I, now I'll tell you, um, I, I tell everybody that I cost myself money. Whenever I try to put myself back into my business and do stuff or manage stuff or get in the way of my, of my team, I actually am costing myself time and money. So I step back as far as possible and let them do what they do. And unless there's a major problem, I don't need to even know about it. There's other people that I've got on the team that deal with all those issues, put out the fires. And for me to, to actually deal with anything, it's got to be really major. And so that's what really gave me my, my time freedom. A lot of people ask me, well, Mike, when were you financially free? I was financially free at a very early age, but I wasn't mentally free to have this lifestyle at an early age because I thought I had to do the work. I thought I had to be on top of everything and micromanage it. And then I realized that I don't. And now I've got... Uh, a life that I love where I get to, um, uh, I'm very, very happy and I feel very fulfilled because in my spare time, I'm hanging out with my daughter and grandson, I'm traveling to nice places, I'm volunteering and doing uh, humanitarian projects. And those are the things that I've realized over time light me up. I thought, it, I used to think it was having the big house and the fancy cars. And that's when I was uh, actually probably most miserable. I had all this money coming in, but I wasn't really enjoying it. I thought all these toys would make up for it, and they really didn't. They weren't really fulfilling. It's giving back and helping other people. I did a uh, project in New Orleans. I mean, this year's been a horrible year for hurricanes. Back when Hurricane Katrina happened, I brought in a team, and we fixed up a bunch of homes that were damaged uh, by, the, by Katrina. And that was my favorite real estate project I've ever done because it had a lot of meaning to it. We, we, uh, it was a humanitarian project. We helped to bring a lot of people back to the city that otherwise would have never gotten back there. And so I realized over time, by having a spare time that I, I can be more giving and have more and also be have more of a life and just all these things that are based on fulfillment. And so my currency has switched from money to fulfillment and happiness. And that has real that mindset shift has really created a whole different life for me. A whole, like my, my life is unrecognizable from where it was, let's say, even 10 years ago. Even 10 years ago. So but it all happened. Once again, it's just been an evolution that's happened kind of by mistake in a lot of cases. So, so I'm grateful that it has, uh, has uh, progressed this way. Definitely inspiring to hear that journey. Uh, thanks for sharing also all, all about the, you know, the struggles as an entrepreneur. I think uh, we all, uh, all struggle with that. Uh, the whole uh, Superman syndrome, the thing that we can do it all ourselves and we think uh, we're the best at the job but um, one of my favorite quotes is like if it's not your strength it's not your job and uh, you know when I, I've learned definitely uh, delegate and uh, you know delegate with responsibility let them do the work and empower them and they definitely uh, do the job and some great life lessons and great business lessons there Mike so tell us about your travels uh, you you know you're currently in Hawaii you've been traveling around the world tell us about where did you start where you've been and uh, you know tell us a little bit more about the travel side of your life yeah, well, I've, I've literally been around uh, the world several times now. Um, my, my travels, they used to be kind of planned in that they made kind of a logical sense. They went in a certain geographic order. Like if I was in, you know, in, in Europe, I'd, I'd travel around Europe. These days, I kind of, I base a lot of stuff on, uh, you know, a lot of times humanitarian projects come up in different places. Um, one of the things I want to get involved in is we had as you know tons of hurricanes and now we got fires and it's been a crazy year for natural disasters. So I would like to go and explore, you know, Houston and Florida and, and uh, Puerto Rico, maybe up in the uh, wine country up in uh, Napa Valley and see how I can add value, helping maybe rebuild homes. Uh, but I also do uh, 
a lot of travel. I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of sunshine and heat. I don't like cold. So I plan a lot of stuff around that. And there's also a lot of places that I've been to. And, you know, I want to take my grandson to or my daughter to. I go to a place, I think, man, I wish my, I wish my, my daughter was here. And so, uh, so these days I travel in kind of a random, sometimes random looking sort of fashion. But there, I, there is a method to the madness behind it. Uh, but literally, you know, I, I, ba I base things on happiness and fulfillment, as I mentioned earlier. So sometimes, I, like I was in Chicago speaking a couple of months ago. And I took a couple of days after uh, to explore the city because I've never really had a good chance to look. I, I've been there for short periods of time and, and I really liked what I saw, but I don't really feel like I've seen enough. But the day after I spoke, it was pouring rain. I was stuck in my hotel room. And so I literally just went to the airport with no flight to anywhere. I took an Uber to the airport, looked at the board of places, ended up on a flight. I think I ended up in uh, Phoenix or, or Vegas. can't remember, but so... I'm really big on not wasting my I'm not wasting my days. I, I you only have so much time, and so it's about where can I add the most value either to myself to recharge the batteries or add value to somebody else doing some sort of humanitarian or give back uh, project, or maybe I want to fly back and see my daughter and grandson that day. Whatever that looks like, um, I don't like to waste my days because they're, they're very limited, and uh, you know we see so many examples of. Well, these natural disasters are really on the top of my mind right now, just because I was so involved after Hurricane Katrina, fixing up that, uh, you know, fixing up New Orleans, that whenever I see that, it just brings back memories. And I know the pain that and struggle that people go through when that happens. So I'm just waiting for things to get cleaned up a bit and see if the insurance companies are going to step up to the plate, which they did not in uh, New Orleans, or if the government's going to step up to the plate, which they did not in New Orleans. And I don't have a lot of faith in them to do it this time either. And that's a whole other that conversation. Uh, so yeah, my travels are, are based upon where I think I'm either most needed or where I can recharge batteries best that day or wherever it's going to be the most value. Sounds great. And definitely the more you travel, the more spontaneous you become uh, and the less planned. And I think uh, that's the best part is that you have that freedom, that flexibility to choose where you want to go, when you want to go, with who you want to go. So Mike, uh, to end off here, if people wanted to connect with you, find out more about your real estate investing and your, uh, your, your programs, et cetera, how can they do that? Yeah, their best bet, because I have a lot of different uh, things on the go. I mean, I mentor entrepreneurs, I help real estate investors, I got my turnkey properties. Best thing to do is just email me, which is mike at mikewolfmastery.com. It's uh, wolf just like the animal, no E. So it's mike at mikewolfmastery.com, and I always love hearing from uh, people and if there's any way I can add value I'm always happy to do that awesome well thanks for your time and definitely enjoy Hawaii and we'll definitely keep in touch ah, well thanks uh, thanks for having me and enjoy South America looks like you're having a great time too I'm glad to see that yes I might as well show you every other view here so in La Paz the internet connection will be that good, but you can see the uh, oh, I think your video froze on me there. Can't see them. Cars connecting the city. Uh, sorry about that bad Wi-Fi. When I went to the window, it kind of cut out there. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I missed it. I missed it. So you're in La Paz. Is that, uh, I know there's several La Paz. Is that Bolivia? Yes, yes, it's La Paz, the, the, the peace, I think in Spanish, peace, city of peace, and uh, it's the capital of Bolivia. So we're here for a few more days. We're heading to Salt Flats, the biggest Salt Flats in the world. So 
make sure you check out our website, tinyblogger.com, and also our social media and our YouTube channel to see more of our adventures. So thanks again, Mike, and we'll catch up with you soon. All right, Ricky, nice chat with you, buddy. All right, and thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. If you have any questions for Mike, uh, I'll have the link below, so you can definitely ask him any questions to do with real estate, with travel, entrepreneurship, business, and more. So thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of. Did you know the mask was TJ when you were traveling? So cute. Uh,